Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. Now it is being taken away from the players. So if I am one of these guys like a Brad Hand, I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why don't we decide, hey, in any given year, we're going to have a salary cap floor. We will have a ceiling and it is 50% of the revenues that come our way. And we know every year exactly what that's going to be like. I know you have some experience with this. We'll get to that in a little while. I want to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line, though, right now, because Joey Vitale is on the line, Blues analyst for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. Joey, always appreciate the time, my man. We were just talking about Major League Baseball and why I, we think it would benefit the league at this point to be able to go to a salary cap format. If I'm not mistaken, you were around during the, the um, lockout year, right? Uh, I was in college during the one that where they re when they established the salary cap, but I was around for the 13, 14, but that was all was done way before that lockout. So as a player, when you were around and at that point, they did have the salary cap. How did that benefit you as a player? Well, I loved it. You know, I loved it for, for the type of player that I was, you know, I remember when I, when I showed up at camp in Pittsburgh in 2010, this was a year year after they won the, their, their first Stanley Cup with Crosby. And I remember Jason Botterill, who uh, former Sabres GM, he was the assistant GM in Pittsburgh at the time. I remember at rookie camp, so this is before main camp and all the big guns showed up. Um, again, they just won the Cup, and he, he acknowledged all the rookies, and he, you know, welcome. And, and he said something that was pretty pretty profound and, and, and proved to be very true for myself and for a lot of, a lot of guys that, were my caliber of players, you know, league minimum type, third, fourth line guys, you know, journeymen that were going to play maybe four years tops in the league, but we're looking for an opportunity. And what he said was, you know, with this salary cap, you know, we have to micromanage things a little bit differently now. We got to, we got to count every penny. And especially here in Pittsburgh, when you're looking at two of the best players in the world, uh, again, Melkin just coming off his Conn Smythe trophy and Sidney Crosby was at the time the best player in the world. He's like, we're going to be paying these guys a lot of money. And then Marc-Andre Fleury, throw him in the mix as well. So we're going to need third and fourth line guys that are going to be playing for the league minimum that are going to be, have to be willing to eat up a lot of minutes, eat up a lot of ice time, because we're just we're, we're against the gun right now as far as financially and what we can afford at this point. So for me personally, and for a lot of guys in, in, my, in my kind of uh, threshold of, of style of players, we, we really enjoyed it and we really loved it. Yeah, Joey, I went through that 2004 lockout, lost an entire season uh, of hockey and of salary, and it was uh, interesting to say the least. But what I always laugh at is I came back and I got a raise. <laughs> league minimum <laughs> was set, and I got a raise because I was making less than league minimum. <laughs> um, nice. So I was the only one probably celebrating in Detroit because all those other guys were making, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and I came in I got like a $50,000 raise I'm like oh yeah <laughs> so uh, but the the number one thing that I get out of it and yes the top end guys will always be not happy with a salary cap because they want to make more money but that percentage of player is is small and I think that if you did have a salary cap in with especially major league baseball you have to disclose 
your revenue, at least baseball-related revenue. And that way, they're both sides feel like they're on the same page. And, Joey, you can speak to this, too, is the NHL just re-upped the CBA during a pandemic, and the only reason they were able to do that is because over the last decade, they've been able to establish a certain amount of trust in the fact that they're in this together. It really is a partnership. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The first, first thing I'll say about you getting the raise, it kind of reminded me of BK when the pandemic hit. <laughs> yeah. He was the only guy only guy in sports radio and sports for that matter. They got a raise. Everyone else wow. was getting promotions across the wow. board. Yeah, well, I got, got a promotion. promotion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so BK got a promotion during the pandemic, and Jamie Rivers got a raise after the 4 lockout. So, you guys could both, you guys share something in common there for sure. Um, you know, the, the the second part is, you know, that that was a big transition. I remember when when you when you found out exactly how much players were getting paid and how it was structured. I think for a lot of the older guys um, during that time, I remember Brooks Brooks Orpik telling me it was really strange at the beginning because. A lot of it before that, and I never experienced this as a player, but it was kind of like you kind of you felt it, you kind of sensed it, or you kind of knew behind closed doors, but you would never ask a guy how much they're making, or you would never really find out, or you would never go to an owner and find out how is this all being uh, divvied up and how is the revenue getting shaken down. So you're right. It, it, for, for that matter, it, it, is, it was a strange thing, and it's strange for players even to this day, I think, to, to sit there and say, you know, this is what you're getting paid. And, and even more so, I mean, you know, as you know, Riz, I mean, you can go on, you know, cap geek or, you know, hockey, whatever. And you can find out not only current players, but you can find out total earnings of any player that had played in the league. So that that's always kind of an interesting thing. I mean, it's an interesting profession that, that we were a part of and, and that baseball players and all these kind of guys are part of where you can have friends and strangers and family members and anyone for that matter, kind of just do a little research and find out how much you've made over your career and uh, it always looks a lot bigger online because yeah. they never, they never, they never account for the taxes and those doggone agents. Man, they're expensive. <laughs> the other thing is we don't get to see what the owners make. Like we, we we see all the players' salaries, and that's it's right there in front of us. And so we see, like for instance, Andrew Miller this year is going to make twelve million dollars. My God, that's a lot of money, right? What we don't see is, well, what did what did the Dewitts make over uh, off of the Cardinals over the last decade, right? We don't we don't get to see that every year. So it, it's it's a little bit different in the way that we look at them versus the individual players. Uh, Joey, I, I also wanted to ask you: You're a lifelong St. Louisan. You are a guy that grew up here. You follow the team even if it's just from afar as a casual fan you've seen a lot of Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina in Cardinals uniforms what's it like for you right now to know it's possible that next year you're not going to be able to watch those guys in a Cardinals uniform anymore yeah you know it's you like you mentioned you're you kind of look back on your life and the memories of sports and, and how you I mean we're all we all live in this in this bubble where we, we feel as if we're the center of this universe because we only see the world from our eyes. And, and, and that's how I think a lot of people probably feel about Yachty and, and Wainwright and what they meant to the Cardinals. You, you live in this world where you only see what you see. And, and for Yachty and, and Waino, you, you look at it like, well, where do they fit in my life and my story? And, and we all got those stories. You know, I remember, I remember my first couple of years in Pittsburgh and Bengals back in 2011 and being on the road and, and, you know, having all kinds of wagers and bets with guys because I was from St. Louis and they were all going against the Cardinals. And I mean, just different crazy stories like that and waking up and, and celebrating the next day we were on the road. I believe we were in Philly. So, you know, just, just, you know, where does Yachty, where does Wayno fit in, in that kind of story of my life and, and what they've been to the Cardinals. I mean, you know, you, you look at great players 
But you look at you look at pivotal like you know franchise people, not only to the team but the city. Shane Doan was probably the closest person I could relate to these two as far as what they meant for a city, what they meant for people, what they meant for the commoner, for the guys way below them, you know, and how they treat people and how they handle their business and, and all those kind of crazy things and, and wonderful things. And it was an honor. It's been a privilege seeing them in Cardinal Red for as long as we have. And, geez, I really hope that, hope that we have a little bit more time. You know, I saw Wayno and, and Carpenter came in, huge hockey, huge hockey guys. You guys know that. And Carpenter came into our locker room. I never, I'll never forget how kind they were and, geez, how tall they were and just <laughs> their hands. Their hands were huge. You can see how they can grip a baseball. It's nuts. But they were huge hockey nuts, and, and, and we stayed connected a little bit. I got a cell phone number. I'll tell you about that. Chris Carpenter, I got a cell phone number. Yeah, it was a fake. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. He hasn't texted back. It's been like years, but, you know. When they start know, with 555, five, five, Joey, it's kind of a direct tell. <laughs> he, he's a good friend. <laughs> well, as long he's as you didn't big time him like Wayne Gretzky, Joe. That's a good point. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. No, he's a, he's a good friend. He just. He's just busy. He's, he's busy. That's what it is. With uh, Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Joe, always appreciate the time, my man. Blues analyst for 101 ESPN. We'll talk with you again next week. All the best to you and your family, my friend. Yeah, sorry I'm running a little behind. I was having some scrambled eggs with some tarty sauce there, boys. My, my apologies won't happen again. It's all right. Just don't put that in your eye. Apparently that ends up going uh, poorly. Yeah, hot sauce in the eye is bad. And the mom, my mom used to shove it down my mouth when I would swear as a kid. That wasn't good. But it was better than soap. All right, guys, have a good day. You too. That's Joey Vitale joining us here on 101 ES.